gospel message. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul uh, is writing a letter to the church in Colossae. And in this letter, as was his practice when he wrote letters to the churches in all the places where the churches were just starting up, in the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi, the church in Galatia, the church in Ephesus, the church in Thessalonica, and also the church in Colossae was one of the churches that he wrote letters to. And in these letters, he would often encourage them, let them know that he was praying for them, um, give them things to do, things not to do. If there was something going on that was not good, sometimes there would be an admonishment in the letter, but it would also be accompanied by encouragement and support. And of course, prayers. So in this letter to the church in Colossae, he's talking about, um, you know, him hearing about their love, their love for the gospel, their love uh, for the spirit of God, their love for everything that they've heard about Jesus Christ. And, and in verse seven, he says, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. So he's, he's saying that they, they have heard this report, this good report about the church and how they love the, the gospel, how they have love, you know, a spirit filled love. So in verse nine or from verse nine, he starts to tell them that, look, once this report came back to us, since we have heard this report from then on, we have not ceased to pray for you. We've been praying for you. This news gladdens our heart. And as a result, we've been praying for you. But what is just the, the beautiful thing about this passage is the prayer. And that's what I want to share. So in that verse nine of Colossians chapter one, it says, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. And here's the prayer. We are praying for you that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that ye might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So that was up until verse 14. So he's praying for their spiritual walk. He's praying for a deep connection to between them and God, that they might grow in knowing in the knowledge of God's will, that they might, that their entire walk, everything they do will be pleasing to God, that they would increase in the knowledge of him, that 
that their works would be fruitful, meaning everything that they're doing will show that they are that they are believers, that will show that they are uh, followers of the gospel, that will show that they're 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 Christians. You know, the Christian walk, and it says they might be strengthened with all might, knowing that they're going to come, you know, into our positions, and sometimes they're going to have issues amongst themselves. So he also prayed that they would be strengthened by the might of God, according to his glorious power, unto patience, unto long suffering, you know, dealing with one another and dealing with others with patience, with long suffering, and the whole time having joy. So it's a a beautiful prayer. And it's the kind of prayer you would want, you know, as as a struggling Christian, and when I say struggling, not because bad things are happening, but you know, hey, let's 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 keep it real. Once we come into this Christian walk, there are challenges. And those challenges, again, are not because bad things are happening to us, but sometimes just walking in God's will is a challenge because the flesh wants to have dominion. The flesh wants to take control. When something happens, you know, a challenge, we always have a choice. Am I going to respond in the flesh or am I going to respond in the spirit? And sometimes depending on what that thing is, oh my God goodness, we just feel our flesh longing to have dominion where we would either lose our temper or give somebody a piece of our mind or act in a way that's uncharitable or act in a way that's ungodly or let words come out of our mouth that don't glorify God and don't edify our brethren. These are the struggles that we face as Christians. A lot of times as Christians, we always talk about, oh, uh, the, the, you know, this 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 calamity and this and this bad thing happening you know the the money we don't have or the job we don't have and then we take that and we're praying for victory over those things but the reality is that sometimes those are not the things where i mean everything every good and perfect gift comes from god so when god blesses us with these things absolutely we glorify his name but we we focus on those things and we forget the challenge of the christian walk what am i saying how am i saying it what is my body language even when i'm not saying anything how is my countenance do my words edify do my words pull down are my words condescending how am i reacting how am i responding and this is the struggle between the flesh and the spirit because the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do but if we are in christ then we have the holy spirit in us that we can now subdue the flesh Romans 6 tells us we don't have to obey the flesh it says we don't have to obey the promptings of the flesh and what does that mean that the flesh is going to prompt the flesh is going to prompt us to try to get us to obey it that's that natural life that carnal life that is enmity with God according to Romans 8 it does not want to obey God it has absolutely no desire to obey God. The only thing within us that wants to obey God is the spirit of God that's living within us. And this spirit of God that we now have because we have given our lives to Christ. I am a new creation. I have been crucified with Christ. All things have passed away. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live now by the faith of the Son of God. No longer by my own strength. No, because my strength is carnal. My strength is so dominated by the natural life that it is just the grace of God that we can even stay in the spirit. So when we have, when, when, so when you get a prayer like this, 
when we get a prayer like this that says, you know, that we might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, meaning there will be no ambiguity about us walking in the will of God. We know how Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, knew perfectly what God's will for his life was. There was never, oh God, show me your will. He knew. We spend so much time saying, oh, I don't know my purpose. Oh, I want to know God's will. I want to, I believe we know because the spirit of the living God that lives within us when we are born again, aka have given our lives to Christ, knows the will of the Father. Who knows the mind of God except the spirit of God? And if that same spirit lives in us, that spirit knows the will of God. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit of the living God, will communicate to our spirit what the will of God is. So when we say we don't know God's will, I think we're kind of like living in self-deceit there. Or we are not focusing or we are not settling down, being still and listening for the spirit of God. We are busy with worldly things. We are busy with the distractions of life. We are busy with our wants, our needs and desires and are completely forsaking the stillness that we have to come to in order to know what is that good and perfect will of God. The spirit of the living God will tell us all we need to do is pay attention and be willing to sacrifice our flesh for God's spirit which is a thing that unfortunately many of us do not want to do. And where Satan comes in now is that he comes and deceives us, right? When we are waxing strong in our carnality, when we are waxing strong, being led by our emotions and our sensuality and taking worldly wisdom and trying to pass that off as spiritual wisdom, it is a mind-boggling thing. But if we really, really study like what Jude tells us about, about false prophets. The false prophets, in as, it is a spirit that is in a man that makes a man a false prophet. There is a spirit ministering in a man that is contrary to the spirit of God that makes a man a false prophet. It is that same spirit that goes around that deceives Christians. That makes us now like sort of polish up our flesh. Polish up our carnality to try to mimic spirituality. It is all a lie from Satan, a lie and deceit from the depths of hell. And it's only the spirit of the living God that can expose that to us. But that thing is going to hold on to us for all its life. In, remember in the book of John or in the gospel of Mark, the madman at Gadara, when Jesus Christ wanted to cast the legion out, they said they were begging. There's never any spirit that wants to willingly leave a man or a person. Anytime there is a spirit of influence, of demonic influence in us, it fights to stay. Because all it knows that the minute Jesus Christ said, get out, it has no choice but to get out. A spirit cannot stay in somebody when Jesus Christ cast that spirit out. So when we now are paying attention to what the spirit of the, of the living God is telling us about what is in us and what is at work in us then we have to understand the prayers that we need to pray to rebuke certain things within us. Because the spirit, the, 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 the new man, the born-again Christian lives a minimalist life. And I'm not talking about that physical minimalist life that we hear around. 
It lives a life that has only one dependency. That dependency is Jesus Christ. That is it. So that's what I mean by minimalist. It's not depending on wisdom. It's not depending on knowledge. It's not even depending on understanding. It's not depending on riches. It's not depending on anything. It has one dependence. That dependence is Christ. That's it. It is in Christ that the believer has everything that they need. In Christ, that believer has everything that they need. Which brings me to the now the personality of this Jesus Christ. In that same Colossians, because so often we just limit this Jesus to a give me this, give me that Jesus. And if we really understand who Jesus is, if we understand, yeah, we say he's the son of God. He came to save us from our sins, all that all true, all wonderful. But do we know who Jesus is? Do we understand who Jesus is? That same Colossians chapter one from verse 15, it says about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? This is who he is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers, all things were created by him, and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. This is the Jesus that we have in our body. This is the Jesus who gives us life. This Jesus. So if, if, if this is what the Bible is describing Jesus as to us, then why, why do we limit him? Why do we minimize him just to be the Jesus that's going to give us these things that we need? And half the time, the things that we're asking for are all these, you know, things of this world that in the blinking of an eye, as quickly as we got them, they could be taken away from us. But that is where we put, that is where we put like, you know, the, 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 the totality of Jesus. That is where we put his, his, his power. That is where he, we put his dominion as if that is the only thing that he is when he is so much more. He is so much more. So going back to the prayer, going back to the prayer of Paul for the Colossians, that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they might walk worthy of him unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, that they might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. To that prayer, I say amen. And I pray that prayer for myself because with Jesus, in Jesus, and, and, and in the manifestation of this very prayer in our lives, we are so complete. We are so complete. And that Colossians chapter 2 from verse 9, it says, For in him, this is Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, 
which is the head of all principality and power. In Christ, we have everything. We have everything. And that's why I said the life of a born-again Christian, a true converted Christian who has given up their life for the Christ life, lives a minimalist life. And that has nothing to do with diets. That has nothing to do with clothing and, and, and all this stuff. This has to do with the fact that I need nothing except Jesus Christ living and working in me. Because if I have Christ in me, I have everything that I need. This has to be our number one prayer when it comes to our Christian walk. That we might come into the knowledge and into the full manifestation of the life of Jesus Christ in us. Because under his guidance, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then our walk will be pleasing unto God. All that we do will bear fruit unto the glory of God. Because this is his desire for us. This is his will for us. So to the prayer of Paul, to the church at Colossae, which I take as a prayer unto myself as a Christian and unto all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ. To that prayer, I say amen. That we may walk worthy of him unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding and that we might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.